Welcome back to Renewing Your Mind. This is Pete McAdams. I'm co-hosting with my boy T. Chase today, and uh, we're going to get right right into it. There's a couple of things that, that we wanted to talk about today, and um, it's the biggest thing that Chase and I were talking, well, we were discussing this briefly uh, a couple of weeks ago was pain versus progression. And we had a little technical difficulty with our first recording for this episode, but I think Chase was summing up kind of what he was thinking, especially in the terms of uh, racial equality or inequality in this case. Um, what's going on? This is July, excuse me, this is, yeah, this is July 10th, 2020. So for all our listeners out there listening and the George Floyd thing is still going on, the the, the marching and and the uh, the search for racial equality in this country, it's still a very hot topic. So TJ, I'm going to turn it back over to you. I think what I was asking was um, there's a pain that comes with any growth, right? Um, with any type of expansion, there's pain. And I was kind of just asking your opinion of what's the tolerance um, for that pain uh, among especially a millennial African-Americans and that maybe they have felt that they've already had enough pain. It's time to start seeing more action as far as some of the things, as far as progress is, is concerned. Yeah. So <clears throat> for me, I believe, uh, I think what we get caught up in, and you know, just to kind of combine the, my thoughts with this situation is I think we, we have older black Americans and we have the millennial black Americans. And you have the older black Americans who are caught up in the pain portion of the injustices. <clears throat> and by older black Americans, I'm talking those uh, 60 and up. Mm-hmm. And so you have that group who may have experienced some of those, some of the segregation type issues or know about them firsthand because of their parents, you know, what have you, but they were just more in that black versus white um, time in, in, you know, in our country. <clears throat> and then you have the millennials who I feel are tend to be more vocal and also have a more confrontational uh, approach to situations and when Mm -hmm. i say confrontational i'm not saying it in a in a derogatory way in which they are demonstrative or you know uh um, trying to be a negative approach but when i say confrontational i'm meaning it in a heads-on you know let's let's go let's get at this situation right away right and i so what i think we're missing is enough of the middle ground that says hey while we don't want to uh, devalue the pain that our ancestors and our old and our older uh, Black Americans have felt, we also don't want to be so confrontational to the point where <clears throat> we're not we're not looking for growth. Mm-hmm. And because at the end of the day, if we stay in a mindset of it's just us against them all our war, then we're not we're not lining up with what uh God has called us to do as a people. Right. And ultimately that's the greatest uh our greatest purpose is to <clears throat> follow the commandments that God has set for us and for us to uh win souls for Christ. And you can't win souls if you're fighting uh a fight in that in that way. Understood. Understood. <clears throat> 
So it's funny because I had a text chat with a couple of friends um, a couple of days ago, and we were looking at, we were trying to come up with solutions, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we've identified what the problem is. And, and even some white Americans are starting to become aware of um, the issues that plague this country. Um, but being aware and having a solution are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be aware that you're overeating or that you're overweight, um, very aware of it, or that you're a hoarder or that you're addicted to something um, and, and just embrace that, right? So the, the, the pain part of it is, for white America, is, is it hurting you? Is racism hurting you? Um, and if it's not, it's less likely for you to change. And that's one thing. I don't know how I make someone feel or empathize. I was watching T.D. Jakes or listening to well, watching and listening on the video of T.D. Jakes. And he said, we're not asking so much for change as we are for empathy. Right. Like from a human perspective, empathize what we're going through. Try to understand where we're at. Now, that's a battle you can try to work, but oftentimes it leads to frustration. And that frustration leads to um, pain, the need to have pain be induced on someone else. Mm-hmm. So the pain you feel, you want it to be shared. So this is all going back to empathy. I want you to feel what it's like to be discriminated against, right? And the person <laughs> being discriminated against, I want you to feel the what that feels like so that you won't do that to me anymore, right? So it's a long-winded way of getting to a, a bigger point of solutions. And so I've, I've referenced this gentleman before. I've always said he's one of my, my greatest heroes, black, white, man, woman in, in American history, if not world history, is Booker T. Washington. And in our, in our conversation, uh, in his book, Up From Slavery, he had this famous speech that he gave in the late 1800s to, a, uh, to a, basically a, a congregation of white people. And in it, I'm just going to do a quick quote, and I'm going to turn it over to you and see what you, you think about it. Okay. But and he uses the King's English like he's an orator. Right. So I may have to try and like break it down for our listeners. I had to break it down a little bit. Like, what is this dude saying? So he says, The wisest of my race understand that the agitation of questions of social equality is the extremist folly and that progress in the enjoyment of all the privileges that will come to us must be the result of severe and constant struggle rather than artificial forcing. The opportunity to earn a dollar in a factory just now is worth infinitely more than to spend a dollar in an opera house. Okay, so what are you saying, Booker T? So in essence, he's saying there's two ways that you can attack this. One way is you can try to force, when he talks about um, artificial forcing, Uh force these white people to do what you want them to do. And, and and some of it they will do, but it'll be artificial. You have not changed their hearts. Mm-hmm. You have not changed their minds. So here, now you can eat, drink at our water fountain. Aren't you happy now? That was something that was forced on white people, on the on, and not just what, but on the power structure, right? Um, take down this Confederate flag. Okay. But that that's that's artificial forcing. He said, or the real result, the real progress comes from struggle, right? It comes from a severe and constant struggle. Well, what does that look like? 
we can go more into what Booker T um, really wanted, but he believed in um, education mm-hmm. and he believed in a discernible skill that you could that you could sell to the power structure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't agree with everything because he's a, he was a separatist. Like he believed in segregation. Mm-hmm. He believed that, that blacks should stay with blacks. Um, there's some truth to that in that um, the circulation of dollars in the economy. Yes, yes sir. Inside the black community, we see it with our Asian brothers and sisters. We mm-hmm. see it some Eastern and Indian brothers and sisters where they have a discernible skill. They have a what seems to be a high education level when they come over here or when they get here. And they circulate those dollars within their community, right? Yeah. And that's what his vision was. So my question to you is, what you think about that quote that, hey, it's going to take hard work, outworking, pain, struggle, but in the end, we will, we will have created buying power that they will be forced to listen to us versus Versus, and you may know about um, W.E.B. Du Bois, who was vehemently against that idea, which was civil rights. And and from that came the NAACP and, and Martin Luther King and play, people like that. So your thoughts on that? So I think that was a good or uh, a great way of what he was saying of how to merge the pain, speaking on the pain, so saying that it would be, it would be painful. It would be, uh, I forget the exact terminology you use. Um, struggle. 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 Yes. The, the con- fear and constant struggle. So to use, to have that constant struggle. So that means it's going to be rough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Hey, I, I had a couple of meetings with some, uh, some of my Caucasian brothers and everything is great now. No, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be that easy. I do believe, though, at the same time, as he's talking about the pain, he's also giving a solution of the progression in Mm -hmm. making yourself uh, an entity of your own to where they need, it's almost they need you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like they need something or they need not necessarily just you, but they need something, a good or a service or a skill that you possess. So they're seeing your worth and well, more so not seeing it, but beginning to respect your worth through your work and your diligence. Right. So for me, I mean, I agree with, I mean, I believe that uh, when you break it down like that, it shows that we're not ignoring and and which is what I really want to focus on for my uh, elder uh brothers and sisters is uh, of uh black brothers and sisters is not that i'm trying to discredit the pain that we that uh was uh and we had to endure for so long <clears throat> i definitely don't want to discredit that however i don't want to linger there because if we linger there all we it, it, at the end of the day it becomes complaining mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then if we're just complaining we're not getting anything accomplished <clears throat> so we have to take that pain, use it as fuel, and this is kind of where I think you know uh, Booker T was saying: use that fuel, and then spark you be that flame to make that change. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> here's the ultimate question to me: Yes, is is this solution going to come at the hands of white people or non-white people? Right. Like, and so Booker T would say it's within us. Mm -hmm. Right. 
it's within us to do this. We 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 gal we're galvanized. We come together. Um, we 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 love each other, even if we're unloved in our own country. Mm-hmm. And we can do this. I've read books by um, like David Goggins, who says, you know, can't hurt me. It, it's all about y- your ability to overcome obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlemagne the God wrote a, a really good book called Black Privilege, right? That my daughter's reading now, and it's, it's all about creating your your own lane, so to speak, um, uh, doing it or, or, you know, but, and, but when you go down that road, you can go into the road of, um, um, self-responsibility or I forget what the term is, but it's like a catchphrase to say, oh, so this is a black problem. So black people need to fix this. And that's, I don't think that's what I'm saying, but expecting the power structure to change is a big ask. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a big ask to change the hearts and minds of the power structure is, is a big ask because it's often financially motivated, if not historically and stereotypically motivated. Um, how do we. Or, or my question to you is, which of the two is the solution? And it may be a combination of the both or one might be weighted a little bit heavier on the other. But when you when you start to look at the controllables in our community, they're not much different than anybody else's community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it goes back to that, well, then we have to be twice as good to get half as much, right? So um, when our our family structure is is a mess, man, like, I, I don't know how else to say it. 60% of all African-American children are born to a single parent household, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's not white people, mm-hmm. right? That. That's that's an inability for our brothers to step up and be fathers, right? To stay with that mother or at least support that child, right? At least until they're eighteen, you know. Um, incarceration rates. Now, some of that, some of that is systemic racism, yes, right? Um, there, there, there is an element there. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at a crossroads of. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a doer, right? Like I'm a, I'm a go getter. I'm a I do these. You you did a half marathon and stuff. And people ask like, why are you putting yourself through all that pain, man? It's it's practice, right? For me, <laughs> it, it's practice so that when real stuff hits, like you know, death in the family, or lose my job, argument with my wife, kids act sideways, boss is talking to me crazy, man, that's nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I went for thirteen miles. <laughs> I trained three or four months. This ain't nothing, or I'm it toughens me. Right. Yeah. And so but I understand not everyone is like that. So take it from there, man. So I would say with that, everything that you just said, I would say it's not a one person or one race, uh, a one culture, a one gender, uh, a one sided uh, resolve. <clears throat> uh, I do believe we can play. We play a significant part in our own well-being. And I think as we become more powerful within ourselves and within our communities, it does uh, uh, expedite, in my opinion, the ability to be more powerful as a unit, if that makes sense. So what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. and I guess if I break it down a little further, I'll say it like this. Um when we become more financially stable and we get grounded and we spend, we spend wiser, we make wiser uh, investments and 
we create a skill that we that is beneficial to us and we can uh, draw income from now we become uh uh dependent upon god in our in our ourselves we're not looking to the other person where we might go to a, a company where we know we're not being treated fairly because of whatever the reason whether it be gender color uh <clears throat> whatever the injustice is but we stay in the job because we need the money. We have to mm-hmm. have it. Whereas if I have a skill that I've learned and I can use within my community, and like you were talking about, our other brothers and sisters of the different nationalities, our Asian brothers and sisters, our Eastern Indian uh, brothers and sisters, how their money stays within their community uh, 10, 20 times longer than our money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we are the greatest... Uh, spenders and and consumers in our country but yet our money stays in our community the least amount of time so learning and understanding that and getting an understanding of because i go by here doesn't make me better than my brother or my neighbor next door and i think but i think all that goes back to and this goes with the pain part in our past when you look at the segregation, the Jim Crow laws and the things that made us feel less than and the things that separated us as a whole. Now we're looking at each other. I can't look at you as my brother. You pull up in a in a bins in front of my house <clears throat> and I'm looking at you like. Uh, man, he got a Benz. I, I got a, a Chevy uh, Impala. You know, now instead of me just looking at my car as this is a very reliable, affordable car, it gets me to and from where I need to go. It gets my family where it needs where they need to be, and I'm comfortable with it. The it works and is a mechanically sound. I often our our culture tends to automatically start to pit ourselves against each other, and mm-hmm. I think that breakdown that that breakdown helps keep us divided to not fight the unified fight. Right. <clears throat> I agree. So, well, let me ask, let me ask you this, man, because okay. this came up in the conversation and I'll give you a second if you need to, to think about it. Okay. But in your lifetime, when were African-Americans the most galvanized, like together on something? And the second question is, in the African-American community or just African-Americans in the United States, who have the most powerful voices? Mm. <clears throat> so if I had to say when I think the black American culture had the most power, I would go <clears throat> maybe late mid sixties through the no, your lifetime, man. Your oh, lifetime. my lifetime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, wait a minute. So let me let me re- get this question right again. <laughs> Not even the most power, just together. Like oh, the most. Okay. Um, like you, you went to the sixties, and I was right. Like every, not everyone, but almost all blacks were on the same page, right? Yeah. Like we are going to do this. We're going to support this. We're going to do the bus mm-hmm. boycott. We're going to vote. We're going to do that. They, they were very galvanized. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the 
so I would say it like this. <clears throat> the only time I've witnessed or I guess say experienced that, that they were together was when major catastrophe happened. <clears throat> so for example, with the most recently the untimely murders of uh Ahmaud Arbery, uh George Floyd, um uh I think it's Brianna Taylor. Uh, so these most recent deaths <clears throat> I've seen our people come together. Um, when uh, Rodney King, you know, when he, when uh, the police beat Rodney King, a lot of people, you know, they came together during that time. Um, it's, but it's been times like that when I can say I've seen them probably the most galvanized in my, uh, and then when the one time I can say that was more of a positive time then was the uh, the million man march mm, okay <clears throat> um but other than those like i said that was probably one of the most positive times and uh i guess you could say when and it's kind of i don't even know how much we were together more so than we were than our culture was just happy when president barack obama started when he ran for president <clears throat> when his first term, when he was when he ran for president, you saw a lot more. It appeared to be a lot more um, black Americans coming together to try to help in that cause. <clears throat> so we did not discuss this. We did not rehearse this or anything. But this was a discussion I had with some friends of mine because I'm a big fan of studying history, right? Like what works, right? <laughs> like forget about, you know, what what color or gender or anything, like what works. Mm -hmm. So what was a time in my lifetime like that I can reflect on? Cause I can only read about and see videos on the sixties and talk to my parents about, but what in my lifetime have I seen that African-Americans can come together as a group? The first thing I thought was, was President Obama, right? Okay. Was that election, like, I think he had 90% of the African-American vote, something yeah. ridiculously yeah. hot, right? That's where everyone came to one accord and said, we can do this. Mm -hmm. Did African-Americans get him elected? It, obviously it's a combination of different things, but they had a large um, hand as far as just number of people voting, I think was at an all time high for African-Americans. Mm -hmm. um, someone else did mention Million Man March, which was right on point. I'm not sure how much came out of that like that was a <clears throat> a a time in history but i don't know what came from that mm. and then the other thing i wrote was the oj trial which was part ah, of the same um, <laughs> yeah yeah if every black person you talk to i die of yeah. they kind of knew he was guilty but they would this was their time to say we can buy justice right yeah. like white people have been buying justice forever <laughs> He's got enough money, he can do it. But I ask you that for this reason, man, is it took you a while to say it, right? Like it, you had to think about, man, you know, what, when was that time? And you immediately went back to the 60s. Mm. And then when I brought you back into where you're a lifetime, we haven't seen a prolonged, uh, other than here recently, like I'm surprised of how long this is lasting, mm -hmm. a prolonged galvanization of non-white people, specifically African-Americans, um, around a cause and a call to action. And it's encouraging, right? Like it's encouraging because the problem with 2020 versus the 1960s is our attention span is very low, right? In the 60s, it was life or death. 
Yeah. And not that it's not here, but it was, you cannot go to this restaurant. You cannot sit in the front of the bus. Like it was every single day life that was actually not too far from slavery. Like people's grandparents in the 60s were slaves, mm. right? Um, and so they they heard the stories like they 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 hadn't they hadn't reached real economic power yet. Um, so that was the point I was trying to make with that. Um, the second thing was the most powerful voices in the African American community. Okay, so uh, right now the most powerful voices uh, that I feel we have are athletes and entertainers, <clears throat> um, and. I say that because they, especially with social media, but the ability to grab so many attention, so much attention on a post, a tweet, <clears throat> an Instagram share, um, and the the kids and the younger uh, generations, they see the monetary, uh, mm-hmm. the money that these people have. So when they see this money, it automatically draws their attention. Uh, and so I think if you look at NBA players, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this specifically, I would say NBA players and inter, uh, music entertainers, okay. even, even more so than I would probably say um, uh, movie stars or, you know, pe- actors and actresses. I would say more so... <clears throat> If I had to look at the at, like I said, as a dynamic, I would say NBA players and uh, music entertainers. Is that is that problematic? I believe it is. And why why would you say that? Um, the one of the main reasons I believe it's pro- problematic is because those that's a younger generation already within itself, and they're looking for guidance. So for them to be the guide of our people, and what I find really ironic is you have grown men who are older than LeBron who would listen to LeBron because he's mm. LeBron. Mm. <clears throat> and as you, as a male who's older than him, now not saying that age necessarily makes you wiser, but you would think a matured male a seasoned male who's 45 and up would have more insight or detail or you know wisdom to share with lebron than lebron would have to share with him mm-hmm. <clears throat> and not necessarily and not saying like lebron and i'm not just picking him i'm just because he's kind of the face of the nba uh i just you know used his name but you can you, you can fill in any prominent NBA uh, headliner in that in that category. Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Westbrook, you know, whichever one you would like. But with that being said, that's why I feel it's pro- problematic because you're looking at people who are thir- 30 and under leading the the majority of, a, 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 of the black American males. Right. So I would agree wholeheartedly on that. Um, and it's it's our society's appetite for entertainment, mm-hmm. right? And so because of that, I've seen what I, I almost know to be racist white people buy 
black people's jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, frequent their concerts, um, go to the NBA games, and they support because they wear the jersey of the team that they support. But when they get home, they're every boy and N word in in the book. Mm-hmm. So it's it, the reason I agree with you that it's problematic is it goes back to Booker T. So the reason that they they have power is they have a discernible skill, right? Mm-hmm. They have an ability that is rare to jump, shoot, uh, run, you know, whatever it is at a much greater level than any of us. And they have been financially rewarded for that talent. Mm -hmm. The danger of, of glorifying that or trying to emulate that is that you can't do it, right? Like you, unless you were born with certain traits for the most part, some people just work their butt (laughs) off, but it's, it's rare. You typically have to be a certain strength level, athletic level, or have an ability to carry a note. Music, I I would definitely agree, is another one Mm -hmm. where someone like Jay-Z has a specific talent, right? Like a discernible talent that he's worked in years and years to craft, and he was connected to right people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, The problem with that is that if that's the most powerful voice in our communities, we don't have the luxury unlike because white people do it too right there there are powerful voices in the white community that are entertainers uh tom brady right mm-hmm. uh, even donald trump might say but they can get away with it even though they'll never be tom brady or they'll never be donald trump or, or whoever it is they they glorify but they can still have an okay life right mm-hmm. whereas with african americans to me it seems if you're aspirations are to be the most powerful voices and those powerful voices are basically unachievable talents or they're just they're just reserved for the 0.01% of the population it leads to frustration yeah. right because you want what you see in our black voices and you wonder like well what's the solution then Pete I, I not that I have it but it's got to be, we start to glorify business owners. We start to glorify um, preachers. We start to glorify um, people that that people can aspire, right? Um, even President Obama, I think, was very inspirational and may have, you know, it may have he led to the, the next President Obama, but that was such a high bar that he put. And I thought he made a great point about aspiring to be the best you, right? Like whatever that is. Is is don't try to always emulate someone else. Be the best you, yeah. but that's kind of why I asked the question, <laughs> is, and it all leads to another question of responsibility. Like with all this privilege, and let's just be honest, there there is a, a high level of privilege that comes with having a talent to be in the NBA, the NFL, rap, you know, things of that sort. What's the responsibility that comes with that? But um, that that's kind of my thought process. It's, it's very much I was what you said. Well, and just going back to that for a second, so. With all this that's been going on and, you know, the com- private conversations you and I have had and my wife, we were sitting in the room and we're just talking and she says, how is it that they could have a, the Montgomery boycott, the bus boycott for 381 days <clears throat> over a year, they boycotted and made change. They had no Instagram, no Twitter, 
no Facebook, no emails, mm. but they were able to say, so how can their voices be po- more powerful than with, without technology? But here we are on the peak and verge of just te- technology coming out of our ears and we can't get a message or across to say, "Hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a Black Friday, a Black Tuesday, <clears throat> where you know uh, they were having where the, the uh, they wanted the Black Americans to not purchase anything right. for you know on a certain uh, uh, not fraternize a certain business on a Tuesday. All of us now." We can't accomplish that simple task of one store for one day <clears throat> as a as a black American society. However, back in the day, with no social media, they were able to have a boycott of a of the buses for over a year. Hmm. And I said, you know what? <clears throat> I said, well, when you have a leader like Martin Luther King, she said, well, who's our Martin Luther King today? And, it, hmm. it, it, and, it, and I'm going to be honest, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So this is my wife asking me this. And as her husband, I'm like, man, I'm, I, I'm Martin. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I'm just, I'm being, I'm being real with, with myself and with the situation and it caused me to look in the mirror and say, what more can I do to impede the, the in- racial injustice, the systemic racism, the inequalities that are going on in our society? What, what can I do? How can I make more change? <clears throat> and with that, uh, as you were just saying, you know, we need to glorify take our the our glory off of our athletes off of not not just not take it off but don't focus all of our glory and our attention on just athletes and mm-hmm. just musicians because while those are unique skills and abilities and hard work and dedication that they put in to master those things and they do they should be celebrated however <clears throat> doctors lawyers business owners, teachers, uh, policemen, firemen, you know, people, African-Americans who do other, uh, uh, black Americans who do other positions as well, a banker, you know, those are other things that can be pushed to uh, cause more of an equality within ourselves. And so it led me, so I met with um, our superintendent. And I proposed, you know, I made a proposal to him about a program to encourage uh, uh, black Americans, uh, students and brown students to uh, focus on education careers and getting them to the understanding of what an education career looks like. You know, I had a couple and it and it, it, it kind of all falls together how it came about. So me and my wife are talking about it. So then it gets me to thinking, how can I be a part of the answer and the solution as opposed to just thinking about the pain of the problem? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it got me to thinking. So I started writing and start, you know, jotting down ideas. 
So I come up with a few, uh, uh, a program to try to spur the interest and cultivate the knowledge and understanding of uh, education professionals. <clears throat> and so shortly after that, I get approached by a couple seniors who graduated from the, our school city out here. And they asked me, hey, is it true that teachers only make $35,000? <clears> and so it led to a discussion. And our kids are so misguided. And I think a teacher, so they believe a teacher makes $35,000. <clears> and that's it. They don't understand the progression and the mobility of, okay, you might come out, graduate college, Mm-hmm. And you start off at $35,000 as your base salary, <clears throat> but there are also incentives. There's also, uh, once you, if you take a, if you get certain licenses and certificates that, that, you know, uh, increases your income, there's also, <clears throat> um, the ability to go from, uh, the more you teach, you get raises, you know, you have more experience in, in your content areas, there are ways to make more money. And then from there, you can be, you know, a speech pathologist, you know, a school psychologist. You can be an administrator, a dean, an assistant principal, principal, superintendent, assistant superintendent. You know, there are so many other, uh, a director of a certain curriculum, what have you. So the lack of knowledge of how you can increase and improve and make yourself like you were saying, sharpen your skill to make yourself more uh, of an asset to not only your you and your family, but also to your community and your profession. And I know, uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I've said a lot, but basically just trying to say how we, the lack of knowledge and, and just getting understanding and taking our, our the, the steps we can to make improvement and change so and, and that's that's why i love what you said man because it's it's we talk about it in our job controlling the controllables right mm-hmm. so that is something we can really control and what it makes me think about before i go to my my next point um is i don't know how this was for you in school but i went to a school that was relatively diverse right so it was probably a third black a third white a third hispanic um and I was ridiculed for having good grades, mm-hmm. right? So much so that there'd be times when I could get a hundred on a test, I would, God's honest truth, I would miss a question just so I wouldn't be a get a hundred, right? Yeah. I knew if I got a hundred first, the teacher, which nine times out of ten was white, would praise you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, he got a hundred, and you would get those looks, you would get those. <laughs> And you would be embarrassed, T. Chase. Like, yeah. I would be embarrassed for doing well, right? <laughs> it progressed in the high school. I, you know that I was part of the speech and debate team, yeah. right? And I was just straight nerds, white people, whatever. Um, like, I, I missed a couple basketball games for it, and, and Coach gave me a hard time about it. And I just was like, you know, I just kind of like doing it. But it served me what it served me well even today. Now, I'm in sales, right? So the ability to to research a topic, develop a, an opinion about somewhere and argue it, right? Like defend it, right? Mm-hmm. And so until that changed, if I went through it, millions of kids are going through it. 
where, and it's not just African-American community, but we can own that and say, look, being a teacher is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Like you can do financially well and make a difference in your community. Being in law enforcement is not selling out, yeah. right? Yep. It's making a difference. It's it's uh, requiring a level of responsibility that that most people don't have, right? Um, and until that mindset changes, where we start or do a better job, I'm not going to say not start, but do a better job of celebrating nerds, right? <laughs> like <laughs> celebrating grinders, yeah. celebrating those who who do things different, right? Until we start doing that and and stop trying to be so sort of monolithic and homogenous in in everything that we do, embracing people that look like you, but think differently. That might be a Republican or conservative black person, right? Let's not be the, not just quick to call them a sellout or a coon or, or, or tap dancing for the white man. Yeah. Right. Like let's watch our words and we want to be embraced. We have to embrace differences in our own culture. Right. Um, So again, I'm not putting the onus all on us, but I love the, you know, controlling the controllables. If we can teach our kids that you don't have to be a rapper, you don't have to be a basketball player, football player to be successful, to be a a a, a father, a husband, a Christian, um, someone that's dependable, that goes to work every day. Man, that that there's something to that, man. There's something to to be gleaned from that. So um, I'd be wrong to to have been quoting all these other men and not quote the man. And the book that both you and I <laughs> tried to live our lives by, and um, in James chapter one, verse two and four, and I, I want you to to expound on this. It says, "My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete." lacking in nothing. That's pain and progression right there, Chase. Yeah. Right. That's that's James saying, look, it's gonna be some it's gonna take some endurance. It's gonna take some some pain. Um, but in the end, you will be mature, you will be complete, and you will lack nothing. Yeah. It's all it's okay, man. <clears throat> so um of course that's highlighted in my uh in my book. <laughs> Uh, that scripture, <clears throat> um, but uh, what I wanted to also wanted to take it before we got off to uh, the scripture of Numbers thirteen, <clears throat> and this is when the Lord told Moses to send out men to explore the land of Canaan, and uh, Numbers thirteen, and I wanted to, I mean, b- the basic part of it is they send out the twelve. Uh, ancestral tribes that sent a leader from each tribe, but I wanted to pick it up on uh, like numbers 13 and 25 <clears throat> when they're coming back with the report. And this is kind of where I was looking, where I was looking at when I was talking about the pain versus progression. <clears throat> and it reads, I'm going to just read a little small portion of it. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of uh, Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had seen and showed men the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore 
and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> so for me, they know what the, they see the good. So they know the good that can come <clears throat> from them taking this land. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so what it's saying, <clears throat> they see what's good and they see us there. But at the same time, they don't want to, they, it's not for us, is basically what they're saying. <clears throat> and so when I look at that, I look at, they're looking at the pain that would come from trying to get this land. Mm-hmm. Without even, you know, without even thinking about, you know, we could win this, we could get this. We don't even know, we just went and saw it. Like, we don't even know what what, what we would necessarily have to do for, for sure. And, and it was promised to us. This was a promised land. So we can go get this land. But because we saw them and we got fearful, we thought about the pain that could come about from it. And so it discouraged them. And a lot, and I, and so when I, what I'm trying to do is I'm likening them looking at it and already taking a defeated mindset, <clears throat> and think because of the pain that could put, they perceive that could come from it, and then they look at as and putting that to present day with our older Black Americans as we're so focused on the pain aspect, we don't even look at the other part of we can get it. And, right. and so then when I go to, and then I want to fast forward to uh, 14, <clears throat> and it says, uh, then the whole, uh, <clears throat> so, um, um, go back real quick. Uh, uh, Caleb, uh, dang, where am I in my spot? Uh, forgive me for that. Uh, but Caleb and Joshua. Mm-hmm. So they had, they knew they could do it. So like, oh yeah, we can do this. Um, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, "We can certainly conquer it." This is where I'm looking at. So these are, <clears throat> I'm looking at it twofold. I'm looking at these are the millennials right here. <laughs> you know, we can get this. You know, forget what everybody else. Forget what the the other ten said. You know, we saw something that we want. We can go get this. Mm-hmm. And so then when you move forward to 14 and we talk about. Uh, but then the whole community began weeping out loud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. And so uh, if we go down to. uh, uh to six, uh, verse six, 14 and six, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, and of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. <clears throat> and for me, that's the progression. We have the plan. God is on our side. If we just start doing our parts, and again, like we talked about earlier, our part is uh, 
um, giving glory and being at, at those who are being the best they can be at what they're doing. If that's an educator, if that's a, if that's a pharmaceutical sales representative, if that's a, uh, a, a fireman, if that's a, a teacher, whatever that person is, be the best you can be. Give back and educate those who are in from your community and your family. And so we're not looking at specific people as our as our idols or our role models or are those who are looking at what they can do for themselves and their family. And then it, it draws once we have that self-respect and worth, it helps us move forward as as a unit. <clears throat> Completely agree, man. Completely agree. And you know what I was thinking about when you said that is what we have to do as Christians and even African-American Christians is we have to define the battleground, right? Mm-hmm. Like We have to call out who's who and who's on what side and things of that sort. And what I mean by that is this, is it's easy to fall into the mob mentality that white people are the enemy, mm-hmm. right? And that all black is good, right? And that um, violence or retribution is the way that they hear us, right? Um, the what, what, how that can be problematic is we, we can go back to the Bible and it talks about we don't we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against everything that, that exalts itself against God. Um, if you're not fighting this from a spiritual perspective, you're really just spinning your wheels, mm-hmm. right? Um, if there's not prayer involved with this, and this is not popular, Chase, like what I'm saying, what we're talking about right now, it it does not go over well with an oppressed people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, right? That's I've gotten a lot of that's that's what my grandmother used to do. She was praying and see where it got hurt, right? Yeah. Uh, all that Bible and and that preacher over there giving you all the encouragement, and where has it gotten us, right? It's where the verse that you're talking about and what I'm talking about, endurance and hope, mm-hmm. has to come in, right? Because if you try to go out there, whether you're protesting, whether you're having conversations, whether you're um, writing your congressperson, whether you're posting a good or bad social media message about what's going on, pointing out racism, pointing out injustices, I'm not saying those things are wrong. But on their own, they will fail, right? They will absolutely fail every single time because you're not fighting against people. Mm-hmm. You're fighting against spirits. And the spirits are sitting back laughing, right? Because they're like, you're, I think there was a verse, I'm going to misquote it, but there were some disciples of, um, well, they were, they were not true disciples, but they tried to confront some evil spirits. And they confronted a man who had an evil spirit and that evil spirit says, Jesus, we know. Mm-hmm. And Paul, yeah. you don't know you do. Yeah. Right. And that spirit jumped on him and I don't know if he got killed or he ran out naked or, or going crazy or whatever, but that's what I'm seeing. Right. Is, is a group of people on, on a lot of sides with very good intentions, Chase. Right. Like I understand it. I get it. But absent from the true answer, it, it it falls on deaf ears. And I love this that I read. I was reading this today. It might have been in our in our devotional. Or it was about it was talking about Paul and Paul persecuting the, the Christians. And he had gone to Damascus, or he was going to Damascus after getting a 
uh, a writ or permission from the king to persecute Christians, men and women. And they said, he said he was going after anybody that followed the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love, I love the description of Jesus. I love the description of, of being a disciple of Christ is anyone who follows the way. Right. So any way outside of the way, it, it it's, it's going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to hopelessness. It's going to lead to helplessness. Right. And so, Although we spoke for 30 minutes on the beginning of this podcast about Booker T. Washington and what was working in the past and what's not working and whose fault this is and things of that sort, that stuff's real, right? Like that's those are good conversations to have. But we want to leave this audience with all those things are great. TJ starting the initiative to get um, teachers uh, get get people into education that that may, there are non-white. That's that's fantastic. That's something that Jesus would want you to do. Uh, be meeting with my local police department, or or if you're starting a protest, or wh- whatever that may look like. Those things are great. Like, don't misunderstand me, but they have to be deeply woven into the way, mm-hmm. right? Paul talks about without without faith, it's impossible to please God, and those that. That do they must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? And so, our results will be futile if we don't go back to what works. Remember, we, I was talking about about fifteen minutes ago. I'm I'm a big history buff. I'm big on what works. The Bible works, right? <laughs> but it doesn't always work the way we think it works. Because again, we're fighting an invisible enemy, right? We're fighting. Uh, someone who's racist to the core, that's a demon, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not natural for you to just hate someone purely by, you've never even met them and you hate them because of their skin. That's a, a taught or a caught demonic spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. That cannot be called up by a Black Lives Matter poster. Mm-mm. Not at all. Uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, I wish it could. It'd make it, our lives a lot easier, but it's going to come from praying for that person which is not popular. Um, it's going to come from fasting at times. It's going to come at forgiving at times. It's come, It's all that stuff Booker T talked about um, not being easy, what you talked about not being easy, what James was talking about not being easy. And that's why I think our conversation started with does the, this millennial generation, so I think the older generation had a bit of an appetite for it. Mm-hmm. Does this millennial generation have an appetite to do what it takes, which is endure? Right is to endure hardship, um, knowing that the promised land, the milk and honey, is on the other end. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but it's there's some giants out there, mm-hmm. right? And so Caleb and them, they saw the giants. Like, yeah, they're they're, they're big, but we can take them. Mm-hmm. Right, they had they had hope. So um, we're we're at fifty five minutes. So I want you to expound on that um, and lead us with some some uh, closing thoughts. Yeah. So <clears throat> I believe. The greatest, <clears throat> our greatest uh, attribute, uh, first and foremost, is, you know, having the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on our side. And with that and understanding, you know, uh, with him, all things are possible. Um, and like you said, just continuing to uh, embed that and daily into our understanding and utilizing it every in every ounce of what we do 
And and I'm not trying to say like be over religious, so to speak, but I'm just saying just acknowledging him and what you do. Like I said, with the thing that I'm doing, it was motivated by me trying to be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't go in there pulling out my Bible and the Bible says we should you know, love our brothers and, exactly. and as you know, as we love ourselves, and so this is why we should make this change. I, I mean, I didn't have to quote quote those type of scriptures. God, what what He does is He gives us plans, ideas, and creations, uh, and way creative ways to reach the masses. <clears throat> um, you yourself, when you met with your uh, local, uh, the chief of your uh, your um, police department. You, mm-hmm. you didn't have to go with him with a bunch of different scriptures. You talked to him about your concerns. You talked about you talked to him about uh, wanting to collaborate ways to make things more comfortable and better for all all encompassing. And, and I think that's the that's the that's how Jesus would have handled it. He would have went and wanted us to reconcile, not go and say, how can I make it better for just this group? And. But but as you touched on, it's going to take endurance because things aren't going to come just through a, a one time meeting or a one time uh, program It's going to come with, you know, consistency It's going to come with um, failing. You're going to fail at some of the things that you, you attempt. Mm-hmm. But then that's how you learn to come back better the next time. And as you continue to grow, and that's where the endurance part comes in. You don't get frustrated and just be done with it. You know what? I tried it, man. It, uh, people weren't listening. They 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 don't want to get on board, so it's over. Well, then that 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 purpose that God put in you it dies on in your hands. Whereas you can you know say well, you know what? I tried it this way, and it didn't come to fruition this way. But maybe if I try a different you know a different route. Maybe if I collaborate with some people, you know, get some different opinions, I can learn a better way to, you know, probably try to tackle that or handle that situation. So, oh, go ahead. You were going to say something? No, go ahead. So I think just going in with our minds open and being comfortable with failing in order to succeed. Not going... Not going in thinking, okay, I'm gonna try this. It's gonna work, and that's gonna be that. But going in with the mindset of being open enough to say, you know what, I'm gonna try this, but I'm comfortable if it fails because I'll just it'll make me stronger for the next time or the next way I try to do it. Hmm. Well, one thing, and I'll leave this with with the group is is God rewards effort, right? So in a world that rewards people for results. Like I, I, I live, I occupy uh, an, uh, an occupation that rewards results. What did you sell today? Right. What did you close today? They don't really care about your effort, but our God does. Right. So uh, reaching out to build a bridge, it may it may come crumbling down at some point. But God recognized that effort. Mm. Uh, Unize initiatives to reach out to people that look different than us. They may or may not work. Right. But God knew when people say God knows your heart Mm. (laughs) and, you know, he sees the effort. He sees that you went outside of yourself, that maybe was something a little bit uncomfortable for you uh, and was risky. And and he's 
I don't think he's nearly as concerned with the results as I think he is, mm-hmm. as we think, at least I do. Yeah. Um, that, hey, I went on, uh, you know, I went to the streets and just started doing a street mission and trying to save souls. And I, I passed out a million tracks and I, I, I fed, you know, a lot of people and nobody got saved. Right. In God's book, and maybe I'm overstepping my bounds, he said, I need people to be fishers. Right. Mm-hmm. And every time you go fishing, you don't always catch anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Seed planters, right? You plant the seed, share the gospel, be be uh, an example of what Christ looks like by not browbeating people with the Bible, but exactly what you said, which is being the light, being the way, showing the way. I'll do the rest, right? But I think too much time, too many times, and I'll be the first one in line to say it happens to me. We want credit for success, right? <laughs> Even Christians, we want to say. You know, I fed this amount of people. I reached this amount of people. Uh, my church is this big and and we've got this type of membership and things of that sort. So um, I appreciate the final thoughts you gave, man. I thought they were really deep. I'm going to end this up with prayer. Okay. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do this again, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So dear father, we thank you for an opportunity, Lord. And that's all this is. And, and hopefully we are rewarded with our effort, Lord, which is we're trying to Take time out away from our families, take time away uh, away from other things that we could be doing because this is important to us. And there are people that are listening to this that we may never, ever see, that we may never, ever get a discussion with, but they're struggling with what's going on today. They're struggling with um, a lot of things that they're trying to fix from a manly perspective, from a human and a worldly perspective, and they're getting frustrated. So, Lord, I'm asking that you ease the frustration, that you show them the way. Uh, and if this can be a way to show them and, and reflect back to you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And if if anything that we're saying here is wrong, is, is misguided, correct us, Lord, and help us to do better. And know that our intent is not to mislead, but it's always just to shine your light, is to, to be that lamp and to be that light and to show others the way from a lot of the mistakes that we've made. Um, but knowing that you've never made a mistake, you've never let anyone down. So we pray for racial reconciliation in this country and in this world. We pray for those who are disadvantaged and have no privilege, Lord, that they'll be lifted up. And we know that your heart is with those that are lesser. Your, your concern is with those who are disenfranchised, Heavenly Father. So we want to be uh, conduits of of you, Lord, an extension of you, ambassadors for you. So help us to do that every single time we leave this house and most especially in our own houses, Lord, teaching our our next generation what love looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what justice looks like, and what serving you looks like, Lord. So we thank you. We praise you and we love you for everything you've done. In Jesus' blessed and holy, wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there it is, T. Chase. it's been a, it was a minute before we got to do this, but I'm glad. And we had some technical difficulties initially, but um, I think we got through it, man. And I think it's another one in the books, man. So I always appreciate you and everything you bring to the show, man. All right. Glad to be a member. Glad to be a part. All right, man. Okay. Uh, like I always say, love God, love people. And remember to always renew your mind.